Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Keyboardist. I am your host, Amy Frederick, and today I'm sitting down with Brad Beatrice. Hello. Welcome, Brad. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is so cool. I appreciate it being here. Well, thank you so much for coming. Um, he's put up with me being late <laughs> and uh, road work. I have to blame for that. Um, but a good four lane highway, I guess, is worth it is. waiting a few months for. It absolutely It's going to help yep. the commute at some point <laughs> Yeah. into the metropolis of Nashville now. Uh-huh. So you recently moved here? About a year, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. Where did you move from? Uh, I moved from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I lived in Colorado Springs for 15 years. Um, uh, the Air Force moved me out there. I was in a military band out there. Wow. And uh, I was a professional musician for the Air Force, which was, it was a good gig. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think you're the very first guest that I've um, interviewed since I started this endeavor, uh-huh. um, who is a military band uh-huh. person. So did you retire from the military? No, I didn't. I, I should have, because a lot of my friends are retiring right now, <laughs> and I'm struggling here in Nashville, but, but oh well. <laughs> but you've had 15 years of service? No, I did four years in the Air Force and oh. got out, and I started my own um, business. I started a music lesson uh, school. Okay, I hear you. Uh-huh, and then I did that for 11 years, and... Um, and then my parents retired to to Tennessee, and and uh, I ended up closing my music schools in um, Colorado, and um, I taught public school in Colorado for one year. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. And, and I thought I thought you know I love teaching private piano, and I love teaching jazz combos, and I like teaching college, and maybe I like teaching public school, mm-hmm. and uh, I gave it a good shot. And I hated it. <laughs> I just hated it. <laughs> didn't translate well. It didn't translate. And, and I think a lot of it had to do with the location of the school. It was a, a farming rural part of Colorado. And um, the families didn't really care all that much about music or band. or Right. So it, it was a frustration of mine, too. Um, right. So, but, but I knew I didn't. I really didn't want to be a band director or a music teacher in school. Um, because it was really more about classroom managing and doing the state curriculum. And, uh, yes. And and I wanted to portray my passion for music and mm-hmm. get the kids to do that. And <laughs> they just tried to get in trouble and get sent to the principal every day. <laughs> I can relate. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, although I never did actually teach in school, I did do student teaching, mm. and I do have a license to teach oh. in public schools, but I never used it. Not yet. Wow. So. I, I I didn't have any teaching experience in public school. I didn't do any te- uh, student teaching. I was just thrown in. Okay. Um, wow. And I didn't really know what to expect, and I, I thought because it was a small school that, that I'd be okay. And it, I think it was actually worse because the classes were bigger. They would combine classes for music. So instead of 15 kids, I had 30 kids. Right. 30 first graders. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's way too many. That's a yeah. Lot. Yeah. And my personality. You can't have a, have, have a personality to be a t- 
a teacher personality, mm-hmm. and I'm more laid back and right, and don't yell. Right. <laughs> and the te- the other teachers wanted me to yell. Okay. And it was. I just wasn't cut out <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Why aren't you yelling at those kids? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. Never really occurred to me. <laughs> That's how I might feel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, well, okay, so we jumped way ahead. Yeah. So why don't we, let's go back in, because I, I, I honestly don't know you very well. I've met you through... Again, through the wonders of social media, yeah. I've met so many of my, you know, interview guests right. through, in that way. That's amazing. Um, it is, and I can't remember just you know where all you've posted and all, but um, and and how I know about you. But I know you do play. You have a you have a pretty regular gig here in town. Yeah, I play at BB King's um, with the Carl Stewart Band um, Wednesday through Sunday, five days. Oh wow! Now that's. That's a full-time job. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Is it a four-hour gig? Uh, three and a half. Okay. What yeah. time? Um, the, the hours are pretty good. Wednesday, it's 7.30 to 11. Thursday is 4 to 7. Friday and Saturday are 5 to 8.30. And Sunday is 10 to 2. So, oh, wow. So the hours are pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I can be in, if I want, I can be in bed by 10 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you load in every single time? No. Um, they have a Hammond organ, a B3 organ they sure do. there that I, that I play. And then I, uh, I, I do keep a, a little 61 key, five octave keyboard there nice. um, that I put on top, a Roland. Okay. So you can keep it actually there. Yeah. I, yep. It's I can wonderful. keep it there and then, and then I just bring it home on Sunday. Right. Right. So. Wow. What a good gig. That's a sweet gig. Yeah. Um, so, okay, maybe, well, okay, so we've, we've given all the goods away now. Let's, <laughs> let's go back. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, let's go back to your origins as a human being on this planet. Where, uh-huh. where were you born? I was born in um, a, a small, kind of a small town in Ohio, Lima, Ohio. Lima. Which is uh, about 60 miles north of Dayton and about 60 miles south of Toledo. Um, so a lot of farming communities there. Um so is that west of Columbus? Yeah, northwest of Columbus. Okay. About about an hour and a half northwest of Columbus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've driven through there. A few yeah. Times. <laughs> so, one particular memory is of two inches of solid hard rock ice. Yep. Thick on the <laughs> interstate. Yep. They get snow and ice and cold, really cold. So you were born there. How many years? I was born. I, I was born. And I grew up. I, I spent my whole childhood there. And um, okay. Uh, and ever since I can remember, I always liked music, or I was fascinated by music. Um, Is your family musical? Yes, they are. Um, my sister, when I was growing up, she, she's nine years older, but but when I was about four, she, she was taking piano lessons, and um, and I used to hear her playing. The entertainer and heart and soul all the time, all the time. <laughs> she loved she loved to do that, and, and, and she would have friends over and they play together. And uh, she eventually stopped playing the piano when she got in high school. But Aww. but my mom played piano, uh, took piano lessons, and got quite advanced as a as a wow as a high school student. And then um, and then she stopped and. She, she never played much after that, but but the biggest memory is my grandfather, 
and he played every time he came over he would play the piano and he would play the old like 1930s stride pop piano pop standards um, stardust i remember him playing stardust all the time wow. and uh and I just used to watch him and listen and just fascinated by it. By it. And um, his father, my great-grandfather, was a professional piano player in the 1920s and 30s, 40s, Get and out. 50s. Yep, a big band um, piano player. Oh, wow. And tra- traveled um, regionally, Ohio, Indiana, um, I think mainly Ohio. And... Uh, he died before I was born, so I never met him. What was his name? His name was Clem, Clem Laura. Clem. C-L-E-M. Clem Laura. And uh, when he stopped traveling, he uh, opened a piano store. Oh, my goodness. In uh, Lyme, Ohio. Oh, wow. And it was, uh, it was off this, they called it Petticoat Alley. And it was an alley downtown Lima. And they he had a... He sold, I think it was mainly used pianos. Um, but when he died, my grandfather took over the piano store. And, uh, and I still wasn't born yet. <laughs> so I missed out on all that. Wow. What was the name of that store? I Just curious. I'm not exactly sure. I'm a history geek. Okay. I don't think my mom ever told me. It was just a, it was a very small piano store. And, uh, but yeah, my grandfather, he was the... He, every time he came over to the house, he'd play the piano, and I just, I wanted to. And then I started trying to trying to play songs by ear the best I could and, and picking out melodies, simple melodies. And How old would you say? I was probably four or five. Okay. And, I, and, and my mom said I begged her for piano lessons for a long, long time. I said, please, can I get piano lessons? <laughs> I wow. want to play the piano. Oh. And... Uh, and she didn't want me to get started too young because she thought I'd lose interest um, if I got started too young. And finally, when I was nine years old, I started piano lessons, and uh, and I just loved it. I loved piano lessons, and and I wanted to be really good. And I didn't. I, I even signed up for a talent show at my school after one week of piano lessons. <laughs> and my, my, my mom said, Brad, it takes years and years to... <laughs> and I said, I don't care. And uh, just for my class. And so um, and I was in like the primer level of, uh, I think it was Bastion or something like that. Yeah. John Shalm, I think. Uh, um, primer level. And, uh, and I, I didn't want to take my primer level book and so I wrote out, I found some manuscript paper, and I rewrote the melody so it looked like I wrote it. <laughs> and I, and I, I played it, and my music teacher was so impressed. And she, she said, did you write that? And I said, yeah. <laughs> wow, she didn't even know. She didn't even know. It was... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... Um, but I started piano lessons and and I I practiced all the time and at that time there were a lot of music shows on TV uh, there was um, Solid Gold um, there's the the Mandrell Sisters um, Saturday Night Show that right. I used to watch all the time yeah uh, the the Osmond Show the yeah uh, 
Cher uh, and uh, Sonny and Cher show. Yeah. Yeah. And Barry Manilow was really, he was really popular in the the seventies, and he played piano and sang. And, I, mm-hmm. and my parents had records of. Uh, my parents had a lot of records, and I used to listen to music all the time. Really? All the time. Like, um, who were their favorite? Like, what are some that you remember being? Barry Manilow, Elvis, um, The Beatles, um, disco. My parents were into disco. They were learning to disco dance together. <laughs> so they had all this Donna Summers and uh, a lot of disco stuff. and Like Saturday Night Fever? Yeah, Saturday, yep, Saturday Night Fever, yep. Okay. I mean, that was popular. Very. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever, Grease. Yeah. I had, like, the Grease soundtrack, and I used to listen to that all the time. Yes. Um, Elton John. My sister had a record collection, too, and, I, and I, when she was at school, I'd steal her records and listen to them. Oh, how awesome. <laughs> so I, I loved listening to music, and then finally my parents got me a, a little record player, a turntable, a, Sweet. a portable one and I, I used to listen to re- re- records all the time mm-hmm. all yes. the time and I have to say probably I saw Grease in the movie theater probably three times really? which was like so excessive for my depression era parents uh, you know that <laughs> I, I, I mean, saw Grease um, at the drive-in theater with my parents yeah oh really so you, drive, yeah very impactful yeah. yeah I remember it it was a really oh really yeah big deal it, it was a huge influence I think I was in Kent no, I think I was in preschool. I must have been like three or four. Oh wow, that's very impactful to remember that. Oh yeah, it was. It was. Uh, and I used to. I guess before that, when I was like two, I used to try to sing in the car, and, and I'd roll down the window and just start singing as loud as I could. <laughs> I didn't know the words. I my mom said I would just be like moo moo moo. <laughs> but I would just sing and I just loved music mm, and it's uh, great yep um, but when I started in nine I um, did the traditional piano lessons and okay and so and you said the Shaw method the Sh- yeah John Shaw method the, it was a, like the green book primer I remember I may have a copy of that somewhere <laughs> in here yeah, and, I don't know and, and she would supplement with with like Bastion and okay. she'd give me like jazz styles and pop styles and and, uh, that's kind of um, renegade. It, it was, yeah. Jazz styles, pop styles. I mean, a lot of teachers are very straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, she, she taught a wide variety. And uh, when I was about, I think I was probably in fourth grade, after a year or so of piano lessons, um, I started showing her songs that I made up, cool. um, you know, figuring out chords that I, I didn't even know what they were. Right. The names of the chords. I just would piece chords together and create chord progressions. Nice. And uh, she saw that that I was really into music and especially pop music. She'd give me pop music. Uh, um, Air Supply was a real big band. That, and they were a big influence on me because um, yes. they had a lot of piano. Yeah, that's right. And their and their songs and, and they were pretty popular at, at like nineteen eighty. Two eighty-three. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so she she would give me th- these photocopies of pop songs and. Okay, so just standard sheet music. Just sh- yeah, standard sheet music and and uh, and sometimes I try to play along with the recordings, and 
sometimes they were in a different key because they were simplified. Yes. So I couldn't. I said, "Why does this did not match?" Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I common problem. Yeah. And I was like, "What is going on here?" And then the first note sounds like this note instead of that note. <laughs> But anyway, um, I kept going and developing and did uh, piano festivals and okay um, recitals and um, so she had the um, guild or the guild the piano guild yeah okay, I did so the piano you, guild and you have the, that's a program where you memorize or yeah. you don't have to memorize you can do a hobbyist program but a lot of kids memorize I like, memorized all my pieces okay yeah. how many songs would you do or pieces would you do for a program uh, I think like three okay three. And then they uh, give you a grade and yes. give you some comments. and Right. You get like a report card. Yeah, you get a report card. You get a ribbon. Mm-hmm. That's mainly why I did it. So you get the ribbon. <laughs> yeah? So yeah. that was motivational to you? Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, no, all, all through that time, you know, I would bring in pop, like pop songs of songs that I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and she would teach me. And cool. She really saw that I had the, I was interested in pop and jazz and recognized that. Yeah. And Did she have a lot of students? Was she, she like she a, was a um, yeah. So she was a, like a leading teacher in yeah in the yeah in, in the town. It was a very small town, so well, it wasn't real small. About forty five thousand people. Okay. So right. not huge, but not really really small. Sure. Um, but there weren't that many piano teachers. I think there were probably only like three or four okay. in the whole area. Um, but she saw that I was really into pop music and really had that passion. And, and uh, there's another piano teacher in town who was um, a pro- professional jazz pianist hmm. and um, had his own band, jazz group. And, and he had a, like a two or three year waiting list. And uh, she got me on his waiting list. Um, what a great teacher to yep. know that she needed to turn you over. Yeah. One thing. She, she got you where you needed to be yep. and then was able to let go of you and and put you on the path that you needed. Yeah. And honestly, not everyone is no. like that. And, no, she, she was really... My full respect goes to her. What's what's her name? Her name was uh, Dorothy Gray. And uh, she knew my, grand, my grandfather. I'm not sure how. Maybe they went to school together or maybe he knew her from when he... Was running the piano store. Okay. Um, but um, but but she, she was the closest piano teacher to our house. All right. So that, that's how that all happened. So she got you started and sent you to this other. She teacher. sent me to this other. And what's his name? His name was Don Hurlis, okay. and and he had some re- famous piano players. Really? Yeah. Well, not famous. Famous jazz musician. A fam- really famous jazz musician. Uh, I'll tell you later. Okay. Right. <laughs> but. Uh, but it's time for me to transfer to this new teacher, to Don Hurlis. And yeah. uh, so, so he says, well, prepare something, like what you're doing for your lesson. And, and if you have a pop song, prepare that. And so I did, I practiced it. And, and uh, so my first lesson, I go in there and I'm kind of nervous. And he has a grand, he has a Steinway B grand in his studio. and. Nice. And I'm a little nervous. And he said, well, why don't you play this pop song? And uh, I play it. <laughs> Probably the, the most important lesson I've ever had. He said, well, you're playing all the right notes, but you're not playing in time. People aren't, aren't going to be able to dance to that. Oh, sweet. That was, and that was probably the most important. Yeah. 
um, no, what a great way to say we need to count and we need to be able yeah. to Yeah. People got to dance. Yeah, exactly. He said, people are going to be able to dance to that with your tempo. And then he had me tap on my foot and practice with a metronome. And, and I, I had quite a bit of rhythmic problems. Um, it wasn't real natural to me. And uh, so eventually he got me a drum machine, an old, a really old, probably one of the first old drum machines. Um, and it was, you put it on an organ and it would have these different preset drum rhythms like bossa nova jazz waltz sweet rock yeah um i mean just real basic um it had like six rhythms and uh he gave that to me he said use this in practice and uh how great and when i first started practicing <laughs> i was like i kept i started and i got one two three four and i'd hear the snare drum it's like why is the snare drum on two and four? <laughs> and I kept wanting to put it on one and four, one and three. And then sometimes it it switch. I drop a beat or something, and it would turn around. I said that doesn't quite sound like the recording. And then I'd listen to the recording and say, "Oh, the snare drum is on two and four. Yeah. And then I figured it out. Yeah. And uh, and then I just started practicing with that drum machine all the time. Yes. And uh, develop my my sense of time and steady pulse and. Yeah. And, uh... That's great. Yeah. And you can use, uh... I mean, I, I love to use that with a lot of my classical students, even. Yeah. If they're playing, um... Well, I'll tell you who got me started on it is Bob Marler at Belmont. And oh, okay. he was my teacher there. Uh-huh. And he told me to, uh, use, like, a funk beat with a Scarlatti Sonata. Exactly. And it really gave it live energy, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, I, I did the same thing with all my classical, um, pieces and... Okay. I love that, that he gave did, you a drum machine. Yeah, he, he was, he, he knew, he, he, I remember him telling my dad, I mean, after my first lesson, he said, well, your son doesn't have natural talent, but, but I think he has a lot of passion and drive, and, and that's going to pay off. Yeah. And, uh, You're, he, he, this teacher told your dad that? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so he, he got me on the path of... Uh, he taught me jazz. He taught me about chords and harmony, and taught me taught me different chord progressions, simple chord progressions like one, six, two, five. And he had a name. He called them cantors. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think he so. He called his his chord progressions cantors, and he said this is what a piano player would play for an introduction for a vocalist. But he called them cantors, and, okay. and he had all these different chord progressions that you taught me, and then I'd have to play them in all twelve keys. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, did do you remember getting like? Is this all done on triads at the, the beginning, or did you get? Well, I knew all my triads and um, two five ones or how do you? Well, he he just started me teaching about um, major sevens, uh, okay. sevens and minor sevens, minor seven flat fives. He taught me all the chord types, and then and then uh, he taught me. Uh, I knew all my scales. Um, all my major scales, and then he'd say, well, learn these chords in all 12 keys. Okay. And then he would give me a, uh, uh, he would give me these little worksheets where I'd have to spell out the chords. Okay. And, uh, and then he'd grade, grade them, and when I was getting them pretty, pretty good every, every time, um, he started teaching me about spread voicings, open position uh, voicings. Okay. So at first it was in thirds. 
basically one yeah. one hand yeah. or and play like a bass note with the left hand or it was just it was just all thirds root position and then he'd have me learn the inversions okay okay and uh, I'm a geek this way and like to know oh, all that's the details a, yeah. <laughs> because I can use this on my students yeah too, exactly you know? I like to know yeah what, he'd have me practice them around the circle around the circle, circle four yeah circle fifths okay okay yeah so C to F or C to G? C, C to F. All right, so going backwards. Yeah. Uh, you could look at it that way. Yeah. All right. C to F, and um, he would write out these worksheets where it had the melody and the chord symbol, uh, treble and bass clef, and then he'd have me voice the chords, uh, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, on um, voicing them, nice spread voicings, and, and then have me play them. Okay. And, uh, do you do this in your with your students yeah, now? Yeah. Okay. I just I just put two and two together. Yep. That yep. so he made such an impact. He Would made you, a huge impact. And um, would you say your teaching is influenced by? Absolutely. That's okay. absolutely yep. And um, when I was te- had my music school, um, I would I had a little Yamaha keyboard and I would always play along with the students with a drum rhythm. I mean, that was their test. If they could play it with the drum rhythm and me playing bass and chords, mm-hmm. then we would pass the tune. Unless it was like, unless they were working on it for like four weeks and eventually I'd pass it. Right. But, um, but, but that's what I would do with my students. And I, I was very influenced by his uh, teaching. And, and he taught me jazz, um, learning to improvise. When I first started with it, I was 13 years old. And um, I was really into pop music. This is the mid '80s MTV era. A yeah. lot of bands were using synthesizers. Yeah. And I was really into keyboards and synthesizers. And um, uh, right, right around the time I started with him, um, I got a D, my dad bought me a DX, a Yamaha DX7, okay. which was a I mean, you saw those everywhere. They were really yes. popular, and they had a very distinct sound. And um, in Lyme, Ohio, there there weren't any music stores that that carried them. And uh, and I would get these magazines, keyboard magazine. My mom bought me a, a subscription to, and I used to read them every month when it come. And yeah, and I used to have I have tons of those. Yeah, too. yeah, I love that magazine. I, I I take it to school and read it. <laughs> <laughs> Before lunch, I can get my keyboard magazine out. And, and, uh, Wait, what are um, anybody like? Do you have friends in school that are also into music? No, like you are? no, that was a major frustration because nobody <laughs> liked music. I mean, right? I mean, they thought it was cool, but they couldn't really care less. Right. And um, uh, so I was really into keyboard synthesizers, and and part of that came from there was a TV show called Fame. Which is about a high school, uh, performing arts high school in New York. I remember it. Yeah, and there was a character. NBC. Yeah, NBC. Correct. And there's a character, Bruno, Bruno Martelli. And I, I remember watching that and I said, oh, I want to be just like him. <laughs> and he had, he had all these keyboards and synthesizers. And, and uh, I became obsessed with the DX7, and that's all I talked about. Wow. Did it come to you in a box, like in the mail and stuff? Did you well, have it that's a funny thing. Um, I mean, probably about two years, I, I, I talk, that's all I talked about was DX7, DX7. DX7. Yeah. <laughs> it was driving my parents crazy. Yeah. And uh, 
my dad's sister lived in Los Angeles area, and um, she he was telling her how I was obsessed about this Yamaha DX7, and so she took him to a guitar center out there in uh, Van Nuys, uh, California, and they had a DX7, and uh, he bought he bought the DX7, he bought a stand, he bought a, a rolling amplifier, and oh. and he carried it all on the airplane back. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what a great dad. Yeah. What kind of rolling amp? A cube. A yes. Cube sixty. You, I have one of those. <laughs> they were awesome. It's still working. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was an awesome. Silver. Silver. Yep. Yep. Okay. And uh, did you? Wow! I bet you freaked out. Well, he, he when he came home, I was I was in the living room watching TV, and and he snuck it into the uh, family room, and. Uh, and he gave me this book that my aunt got me on keyboards and synthesizers, and I, I was looking through it, and I said, oh, this is so cool. And he said, come here, I have something I want to show you. <laughs> and I walked around, it was a, a DX7 box. I, <laughs> and uh, wow. I was up till about four in the morning that night wow. playing it. And, wow, wow. And then the next day at school, was miserable because I just wanted to get home and I think I had an orthodontist appointment right after school. And <laughs> this is so great. So um, wow. But anyway, um, I got really into keyboards and then and then I saw a drum machine. I saw oh, Roland has these drum machines and I, I started bugging my parents for a drum machine <laughs> and then they got me a, a Roland uh, TR five hundred five I think it was. Okay. And then I started programming drum drum beats and playing along with them. And sweet. And then uh, eventually graduate uh, got a, a sequencer, uh, a Yamaha sequencer and a, a sound module. I think it was FBO one. And I started to arrange, started arrange, doing arranging lane tracks. And, yeah. And uh, uh, creating. My own songs. Yeah, like your own compositions. My own compositions, okay. and yeah, then cool um, and then trying to recreate. I used to re- try to recreate songs that I liked from the recording, like listening to the different instruments and sure. Uh, try to recreate exactly. Yes. And uh, I spent some time doing that too. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That's very educational. Yeah, it sure was, and uh, uh, well, eventually. All this is happening while you're a teenager. Yeah, Basically, when I got the DX7, I was 13, and then okay. from 13 to eight, when I graduated, I was really into keyboards. And okay, and you're still studying with the same guy? I'm still studying with the same guy. Okay. Um, when he started teaching me the jazz stuff, I wasn't really into it. Um, um, I was playing the saxophone. I started playing saxophone when I was 10 okay. in the school band. Sure. And uh, that came real easy to me. And then uh, when I was in eighth grade well when I got my sequencer I started sequencing all the parts and then playing my sax yeah playing as a lead and, okay and uh, started doing that and were you doing any gigs at this point or n- no there wasn't really any places for gigs I mean my piano teacher was doing he was the main guy that was doing all the gigs okay and uh, I, I didn't start uh, well when I got into high school I started playing like weddings I started okay. playing some wedding ceremonies. Sure. Um, piano for mainly relatives and family and friends. Right. We're getting married, so. Uh, and then. Uh, 
And you're in marching band? I'm in and, marching and band. And concert band. Concert band. And when I got, that was when I got into jazz band. Okay. I was just going to uh, ask about that. Yeah. Uh, but before, in middle school, I, I couldn't, I tried to figure out why a middle C on a piano wasn't a middle C on a saxophone. Okay. Like, concert pitch. Concert pitch, yeah. I was like, what's it? And I finally figured it out. And then I started to record, like, piano and then playing my sax melody to the tape yeah. that I record. And, right. and then I switched to tenor sax, and that was completely different. And then I figured that out, and right. I said, well, maybe I can write out some tunes and have my friends come over, and we can play them. And I figured out how to write for trumpet. And, and I, I've, I mean, before I was in high school, I was arranging. Okay. I was doing simple arrangements. Yeah. And... Uh, but the kids, I mean, they, they weren't into it as much as I was. Right, right. So, so um, that was a major frustration. Sure. Growing up. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff were you arranging? Just anything? Or do you remember anything? Like journey tunes. Okay. okay. Um, like for horns? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. For horns. I mean, they could, most of the time they couldn't play, even play the melodies. <laughs> I was like, you're not playing it right. <laughs> and they get mad and then they go home. And <laughs> Man. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really, when I got to high school, I got into jazz band. Yeah. And I was playing tenor. He put me on tenor sax and and I could improvise. He didn't know it, that I could improvise, but Don Hurlis taught me to improvise taught me about key centers and two five ones and yeah key of the moment so i could i could weave my through way through chord changes sure and my band directors he wasn't a jazz he was more of a classical and he didn't know how to teach improvisation and okay and uh, so i really got into jazz when i got in high school and uh, at that at that time that was when Kenny G um, had the number one hit Songbird on mm-hmm. the soprano sax, which yeah, I which really brought the, the soprano sax um, pretty famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I remember watching him on Johnny Carson and Johnny Carson show, and and uh, started to list, started to listen to Kenny G, and then through. At that time, you go to record stores and buy CDs. There were no iTunes or yeah. This is pre pre internet. So I'd go to the Camelot Records and yeah. browse through the jazz section. I said, and then I discovered David Sanborn, and then I became a David Sanborn fan, and then I discovered Grover Washington, and and then my uh, piano teacher said, "Well, check out Charlie Parker," and I. I got Charlie Parker and because he played alto and I played alto, yeah. And I, I started really admiring him because he could play really fast mainly. And, yeah. Uh, I li- was listening to Charlie Parker and then I discovered John Coltrane and then I discovered Miles Davis and then I discovered Sonny Rollins, and uh, I was just listening and listening to all this great music. Um, they had a Saturday night on public radio. They had a Saturday night. Well, they had the Marion McPartland radio show on yeah. Saturday nights. Yeah. And then, and then after that, from like 10 
to three in the morning they had the they had continuous jazz. Okay. And I used to stay up and listen to that and. Okay. And then uh, record. <laughs> I recorded in high school. This is in high school. This is okay. probably when I was fifteen or sixteen. Okay. So you're recording the whole thing on cassette. On cassettes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd listen to it in in my car when right. I started driving or my uh, Walkman. Oh wow! Well, so you just you were just on fire for music. I, yeah, I was on fire you for were... music and and uh, you know, it, it was such a small town. There's no formal jazz training. Right. Uh, and there was no real place to play except summer jazz camps there were summer jazz camps at, at the nearest university which was Bowling Green Bowling Green State University yeah, yeah had, I'm familiar with that place <laughs> they had a jazz combo summer camp I think they had they used to have a really good saxophone professor there pretty sure yeah John uh, John Sampin yes yes yeah I think you're right and I think they had uh, I'm not sure that I'm not sure if they had a jazz sax teacher, but um, I started going to their summer camps for like two or three years. And okay. Oh, and this is while you're in high school. This is in high, this is in high school. So your parents are just so they're backing you up. Yeah, they're, they're preparing you're, me and you're into me, it and you're finding stuff yeah. that you need to be going to. Yeah, do. exactly. And are these camps like uh, jazz camps mostly? Yeah, these were jazz camps. I did go to a, a piano camp, uh, and that was one year. That was mainly a classical. Um, piano um, but I was studying classical as well oh you are yeah so you did not okay and so you're starting to play more advanced pieces yeah I'm, I'm playing you know Rachmaninoff Beethoven oh Kabaleski. absolutely uh, absolutely advanced is what I'm thinking yeah <laughs> and, and, and they had these uh, like once a year you'd have to these uh, solo and ensemble uh, contest yeah that you get judged on and probably MTNA or something MTNA, like that. yeah you'd have to uh, that's, that stands for Music Teachers National Association yeah for those who might not know that, yeah but. yeah they had these festivals or competitions where you play a piece a memorized piece and then they sure. you have to play some scales and but I did that every year and then okay are you, who are you studying classical with the same teacher oh okay. he, he taught uh, advanced classical too and um, I mean, he, he was—he was teaching me not only the notes; he was teaching the harmony of the classical pieces. So I was getting superb. I was getting inside the pieces and really understanding what they were doing harmonically and cool. Uh, so analyzing them. Analyzing, yeah. And then when I memorized it, I, I really—I mean, I really knew it. Yeah. I really and uh, so I got into classical music. Also. Of really important is I started a company in my high school. Uh, I started a company choir. Oh, yeah. The high school choir. Sure. And they had a show choir. And I started accompanying that. Yeah. And they met before school. If anybody finds out you can play, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, they're going to be asking. Yeah. So, so I was accompanying <laughs> choir, I was accompanying show choir, I was, I was doing the playing for the musicals, the school musicals, and, mm -hmm. and uh, Which musicals did you guys do? Uh, do you remember? Fiddler on the Roof, okay. and uh, Seven Guys for Seven okay. Sisters. Uh, they did it like every two years there. They did a musical. So I played for that, those, and then uh, played saxophone in a jazz band. And, um, and then when I got to college, when I was a senior, I was 
Senior in high school? Senior in high school. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a musician, and I, I wanted to study in college. And Okay. Uh, people told me, well, you need to go to Berkeley or North Texas or Miami, University of Miami. And... Uh, to be, um, were you thinking, okay, so what was your uh, career aspiration? Well, I wanted to be a studio musician, okay, uh, touring, okay, touring musician, okay, uh, jazz musician, okay. So, so that was what, what I really wanted, ultimately wanted to, to be. Gotcha, okay. And, uh, and did your piano teacher, was he, um, did he go to those schools or? No, he never went to college. He, okay. he has a, t- a piano right. teaching certificate. But um, but he learned when he was growing up. Uh, when he was in high school, he, he learned playing jazz by listening to Charlie Parker records and transcribing them. So people do not know how lucky they have it nowadays. No, <laughs> that you can find all this stuff on YouTube. You've got the amazing slow downer. <laughs> yeah. you've got transcriptions that people have written out. Yeah. Um, so it's this so guy, he went to the school of true yeah. hard knocks, yeah. basically, well, he, he, transcribing a record. How do you do that? Put it on 33? No, it's A Charlie Parker? I mean, it's fast is what I'm saying. How do you even, like, do, just put the needle down over four Yeah, and, and then, yeah. <laughs> well, his ears got <laughs> fast, quick. Uh-huh. And, and he would, he was in his early 20s at this time, and he had a nightclub gig. Okay. And they would... They would play these Charlie Parker heads and tunes right. between the acts, like like uh, oh. like vocalists would come out and sing. And, like transition and music. Transition music, yeah. Okay. They play these Charlie Parker heads. <laughs> wow. And comedians, and that was like the the intro and outros of. Okay. And but that's what they they would transcribe all these records and these heads, these bebop heads. Oh my gosh. And and, and then, they wouldn't. And when you say head, you mean the melody. The melody, yeah. For those who do not yeah. know a jazz term like that. Yeah. I mean, a couple of my students probably would not know that yeah. word. And, and they wouldn't they wouldn't write them out, transcribe them and write them out. They, they, they learned them. They, they'd put it on. They'd sing along. Okay. With the heads. <laughs> and um, and then hear the chord changes. I mean, most of them were based on popular standards of that time. Right. And then they play them at night. And, uh, oh, my goodness. And this was during the time, uh, this is like the 1950s, and um, the famous jazz student who I mentioned earlier, his name was Joe Henderson. And he's from Lyme, Ohio, and he was, uh, he's probably eight years younger than Don, and Don taught him uh, keyboard harmony, chords, taught him arranging. Wow. And... um, but Joe would play these these gigs at these nightclubs, and he would transcribe these Parker records with them. Wow. And that's how he developed his ear, and, and it was all by rote. He learned one phrase at a time. And, and, uh, and, and my teacher, Don, when I was in high school, he tried to teach me songs, um, jazz tunes, by by playing the melodies and recording them on cassette, and he said, okay, this is your work tape. Now learn the tune. Right. And I, I learned Satin Doll and um, Blue Room, the Blue Room, Take the A Train. And uh, I'd learn them on piano and saxophone. Okay. And then I'd come back and, and we'd play them. No music. Um, 
and it was that was it was difficult for me to do that. It was a very hard. Did you learn well? But you said you were you were playing by ear when you were four. I was playing so. by ear, but well, I was trying to play by ear. Um, I, I wasn't able to actually play it exactly. Okay. So were you note notation driven? Is that why yeah. it was hard? Yeah, I was okay, notation so, driven. So you're visual. I'm a visual. Okay. Yeah, and, and I became a very good reader. Okay. Uh, I was always a good sight reader. I could well, sight you, read anything. You had to be to play be accompanying show choirs. Yeah. And, and musicals. musicals. Those scores are difficult. Yeah. And Fiddler on the Roof, I'm sure, is a difficult score. I've never played that particular musical. Yeah, group. it was. Uh, so he's transitioning you into. He's trying to get my ear to yeah. develop. Uh, How cool is that? I mean, he, he would give me uh, Abersol tapes. Okay. Jamie Abersol. Jamie Abersol, yeah. He, he, he'd record the albums and put them on tape and then give me photocopies. And, and we'd, we'd learn those tunes. And uh, a lot of them were, the tempos are. T- pretty fast for me so I wasn't able to um, but Don had he was really into technology like I was he was fascinated that I had a TX7 and was sequencing and he, he got a I mean they were kind of expensive they, yeah when they first came out weren't they kind of pricey uh, yeah it was like 2000 uh, yeah. yeah for the, for the um, 70s or 80s it would have been the early 80s early 80s yeah that was 85 okay mid 80s yeah so he he, he he liked my DX7, and so he got he got a he got a Casio, uh, I think it was a CZ1, and that he would use right. um, for his port for a portable keyboard for his gigs, and then he eventually got a Korg M1, and that was my first keyboard. Yeah, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He loved the M1, and he was doing he was creating tracks and yes, uh, the eight track sequencer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, he, he, he really took me under his wing and would give me recordings to listen to. And uh, in addition to studying advanced classical, we also studied, you know, ragtime, um, blues. Okay. Um, it was all notated. It was all notational music. And, uh, uh, and then I auditioned uh, at... Well, somebody said, you need to go to Berkeley or North Texas or Miami, and and I told my parents that, and they said, well, they're out-of-state schools. There's no way that we can afford afford that. Why don't you go to a state school? So I auditioned for Ohio State University and um, University of Cincinnati uh, Conservatory of Music. Right. And, and they both had jazz programs. Okay. And uh, I auditioned on saxophone and piano. And... Um, I really wanted to go to, to Cincinnati. The concert, I thought I was really impressed by their program, and uh, the, they tried to force me to pick one instrument, and uh, and I didn't want. To. I really wanted to do two. I wanted to study saxophone, and so they let me for a couple of years, and and I did really well, and, um, and then I went on the road. That's when I started. Oh, so you ended up at Cincinnati? Yeah, I went to Cin- okay. University of Cincinnati, studied with Phil DeGrigg and uh, Rick Van Meter. Okay. Pat Harbison was there and John John Van Olen. Okay. Uh, I think uh, Bob Marler went to Cincinnati. He's oh, did my, he? He's my teacher from Belmont. Yeah, piano player. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays for the Nashville Symphony. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he, I believe that's where he went to school. Yeah. At least for a couple of degrees. Yeah, it was... So, uh, good it, experience for that you? Was, yeah, that was really my first time. I f- was finally able to play with other musicians at my level 
mm-hmm. and uh, be coached and um, played in piano and a jazz combo, played saxophone in big bands. And I'm not surprised that they wanted you to pick one instrument. And I've heard, um, I won't mean, I'm not going to name any names, uh-huh. <laughs> but I've, you know, attended programs in town where certain people have said, you insist on your piano students only being piano players. Uh-huh. And I'm, I mean, instantly I cringed and, uh-huh. t- and tell them they shouldn't be in band. You know? uh-huh. and, and then again, I was just like, I'm going to get up and walk out of here. Yeah. I mean, for people, I think they want to be commercial musicians or, or, you know, I still do some classical. I mean, not much, but I, mm-hmm. I did accompany a couple of flutists for MTNA this past mm-hmm. weekend, which was just great. It gets my chops up again, yeah. and it's, it feeds some part of me that it helps the yeah. other commercial stuff. That's right. You feel the same yeah, way? Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. Okay, wow. We have so much to talk about, but, but just to make a long story short, I think, you know, some of us really need to keep playing both instruments, and I'm glad that you did that. I did, I did do that, and then um, after my second year, I... I joined a uh, it's just gonna be a summer thing uh, a band a touring band that did uh, shows convention um, it was a corporate they did corporate shows and they traveled this they were called the Spurlows and uh, I got hired to play keyboard and I, I think they paid me $150 a week and <laughs> 150 a week and uh, you're like, I'm in the money. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> sure. And we were staying in like days ends and You're like twenty years old? Twenty years old, yeah. Twenty okay. Yeah, twenty years old and um and just was having so much fun. Well, the gigs started getting less and less and they just the owner, uh Thurlow Spur, decided to take us off the road and and not do the group. This is like mid July. And I had like six or seven more weeks. So, so the the band leader got me, him, the band, the bass player, and me a job on Carnival Cruise Lines. Uh oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's hard to go to school. Yeah. In the middle of the ocean. Yeah. So, so I got on I got on the ships and I decided you know what I'm gonna just take a year off. And I was thinking about transferring to Berkeley anyways. So I'm gonna take a year off and get some professional skills under my belt and um, make some money make some money and practice and transcribe and and that year really was a great year of traveling and traveling all over the world wow and playing jazz playing oh my jazz goodness. and shows you know backing um, vocalists comedians wow. production shows with click tracks it was a great experience Wow, you're 20, 21 years old. Twenty one years old, yep. Okay. Yep, twenty one years old, and um, everybody else in the group older than you, or about the same age, or I, you know, I was the youngest. Okay. I was the youngest, and how are you getting charts and things? They have music for you. Um, well, the the cruise ship was mainly a big band. It was like a twelve okay. piece big band, so it was all. You know, your standard big band repertoire. Okay, so you're getting to read notes. I'm and reading notes. You're improvising. I'm improvising. Yeah, we're doing solos. We're doing combo um, for dinner and da- dancing. Okay, how many people in the group when the whole group played? Uh, I think it was thirteen. Okay. So wow. it, was, it was great, ex- great experience. Um, it, and I was the youngest one, so I mean, they were putting some pressure on me <laughs> to get my <laughs> skills up. Were you playing sax mostly? I was, or? No, I was just playing piano. piano. Just piano. And oh my gosh, how were you not freaking out? <laughs> it was, I mean, a lot of guys were, you know, North Texas graduates, Berkeley oh, graduates. Wow. Wonderful, 
I mean, for at that time for me, that was great, and I really grew. I'm sure. Grew, and it was awesome. And then uh, I got off the ships in May and um, auditioned, sent in. Well, actually, I used the ship band to, to make my audition for Berkeley. Yeah. And uh, I got a scholarship, and that fall I moved to Boston, and uh, I was able to transfer some credits, and I, I spent three, three and a half years in Boston. And, Wow. Uh, and uh, I mean, I always dreamed of going to Berkeley. I mean, that was my dream to, and I find I got there and did really well. And I, because of my two years at Cincinnati, I, I knew exactly what I wanted to learn, and the classes, and I was able to test out some of the other classes. And, yes. And and since I was a little bit older, I got higher ensemble ratings, so I got kind of better ensembles, and it was just a wonderful time. What um, was your course of study? Do you remember what your concentration performance, was? Performance. Performance in... In saxophone or piano? Uh, that's when I decided to just focus on piano. Okay. I was tired still pull of, it out? <laughs> I, I, I started getting tired of buying reeds and <laughs> <laughs> mouthpieces and... Buy keyboards instead? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, just kidding. But, yeah. Um, and uh, I, at that time, that's when I pretty much devoted myself to become a piano player. Okay. And... Okay. Uh, you know, at Berkeley, I, I studied, I not only studied jazz, I also had a classical, I had two teachers at Berkeley. I, I continued my classical studies, uh, did some uh, Chopin, scherzo in B minor. Wow. Which was a, I did that piece for my recital and uh, played a lot of ensembles. And uh, I also took a lot of arranging and composition classes at Berkeley. Nice. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, that was great. I graduated in 1997, and then I went back on the cruise ships for about eight months. And then I uh, moved to Orlando, Florida. Okay. And I, I uh, worked at some really large churches there um, as a piano player and a, a staff arranger. So I got to do a lot of arranging for... Uh, Church orchestras. Oh wow! And Mostly choirs. instrumentalists. Oh, choirs too. Yeah, I did some Everything. choir arrangements. Um, but most of the arrangements was transcribing um, black gospel music. Get out of here! Yeah. Well, well, when I was in what? high school. Uh, That's awesome. When I got into high school, Integrity Hosanna started a uh, subscription-based tape membership, where they would send out these cassette tapes of Christian praise and worship songs that were recorded with a, a live recordings with studio musicians. And um, and they'd send every month, you, you get a new tape. And my dad would always listen to these tapes. And this is when I was in high school and college and they all sounded pretty mellow, pretty boring. And it was, you know, just kind of James Taylor-ish type stuff. Okay. Well, one day my dad put a tape in, and it, it was it was like black gospel oriented R and B and jazz, and I said, "What? Who is this?" And, and the guy's name was Ron Canoli, and uh, he was an African American gospel praise and worship leader, and I became hooked on his music because uh, it had a lot of jazz and Latin R and B influence, 
and uh, and then I got into God through him. I started, that was when Sister Act came out, uh, and I started to, to check out Black Gospel, Kirk Franklin, yes, um, Ron Canoli, Alvin Slaughter, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, um, uh, all these other mass choirs, and I really started loving that type of music. Well, this church in in Orlando, it was a big uh, multi uh, cultural um, membership, and they did black gospel music. Yes. Uh, and they had a k- killer band, a lot of Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, Kirk Franklin stuff, Ron Canoli, and uh, um, but it was a reading. The choir they read the, oh, all wow. the music and, wow. and would memorize it. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the music minister hired me to transcribe all this black gospel choir stuff. Wow. And uh, I did that for a couple years. That's another ear-expanding activity. Yeah. It had to have been. Uh, yeah, because you have, you have to hear the three parts, the right. soprano, alto, tenor. Right. Uh, and the chords, which, I mean, were very jazz-oriented. Yes. Uh, chords. Yes. Are you trying to make it... Pl- <laughs> How do I say this? I'm, I'm just... I'm going to blurt it out. Playable by white people? I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what well, that's had the goal? It, I had to... Because... I had to notate it, and they create sheet music. Okay. On finale. Oh, do you use finale? finale? I, at that time, I did. I used okay. Sibelius now. Okay. Okay. Um, but um, but yeah, he, he, that was, that's yeah. why he hired me. That is amazing. Yeah. And and uh, so you leave some stuff out, maybe. <laughs> or would you try to transcribe it note for note? I would transcribe it note for note. That's amazing. And, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And. Uh, wow. Right out the bass part. And were they selling these? No. Or it was just for that church. <laughs> yeah. You can make a killing. Do you know that? <laughs> well, well, they were doing a lot of, at that time, they were doing a lot of uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle because uh, it, was, it was published. And then uh, Christchurch, Christchurch uh, near Nashville. Okay. They had a lot of gospel oriented music. Um, and that's, they would buy the books. and But, but sometimes there, were, there was stuff that wasn't published. And that's what I would, I would be doing the non-published versions of writing them out okay. uh, for them <laughs> so that you learn it. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Really. I, I had a, a short stint as a choir director. Uh-huh. And I was always looking for things that were uh, um, African-American tinge. Yeah. Because that's my favorite kind of music. Me too. And that's really what I lean toward. That's yeah. What I, and, I, and I felt that. It was more natural. Yeah. And also more powerful and more meaningful. I'm yeah. Never, I'm just that, that's just what I like. That's where my heart is. Me too. Is. Me too. And, 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 you know, I always grew up in, we grew up in church, um, but it was, you know, pipe organ and, and hymns and traditional. And and uh, when I was in high school, I, I switched church. I went to a, started going to Assembly of God Church, um, which is a Pentecostal, um, charismatic, and they had a drummer. And I thought that was so cool. Right, the drummer in church. <laughs> drummer in church, and, and then they started inviting me playing to play in church, and and I started playing um, praise and worship stuff, and okay, and uh, which can be a gateway um, music to yeah. to R and B and so uh, yeah, and it was it it definitely was. I mean, through that experience, um, I mean, I discovered all those artists and just fell in love with gospel, black gospel music, especially. Yes. And but, but anyway, in Orlando, the guy that I fell in love with, Ron Canoli, he ended up moving to Orlando, and he was a very six. I mean, he was a multi-platinum 
mean, he was getting all these awards and, uh, well, he moved to Orlando and um, one of the drummers at my church was his road manager and, and drummer. And, and I told him, I said, you know, if, if you'd ever need a, need a keyboard player, I, I'd be interested. Yeah. Well, he, he uh, ended up calling me and, and I auditioned for him and uh, worked for him for about a year and traveled all over the world as his musical director and um, arranger. Oh, wow. And what kind of ensemble was that? Like it, a- it, it was a, a guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, and we, we had t- uh, two female vocalists. Okay, so a four-piece band? Four-piece band, yeah. Two singers. Two singers. And Anybody then, in the band sing? Uh, the bass player, his brother sang, uh, Craig Cannoli. Okay. And then um, every place we went, they put a community mass choir together. And that was my job to rehearse them. Uh, and if, if the city, if they had horn players in that city, we'd hire a horn section. Oh, my goodness. And, and had you written the horn parts? Uh, yeah, I transcribed them from the recorded. He didn't have okay. any. Okay. Um, so, so I transcribed um, all that and... Uh, that was an awesome experience. Yes. I can't even... Yeah. I, honestly, the things that you're talking about, I'm just... I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm jealous, but I really... I, I These are the kinds of experiences I would love to have had. Well, I mean, this is like a dream come true. I mean, I mean all of these are just great. I mean, growing, going to college, phenomenal stuff here. listening to his music, yes. and you know, just saying, oh, I'd love to work with him one day, and then... yeah. And it, it's amazing. It happens. Really. Yeah. And uh, it kept happening to you. <laughs> so what happens next? Well, I, I, I traveled with him for about a year, and he was kind of difficult to work for. And uh, so that's about the time that I was looking for other gigs. And uh, I had a friend in high school whose dad was my band director. Um, he was in the Air Force band. Uh, and the Air Force has, I think, 12 different bands. Um, um, they have two top bands, one in Washington, D.C., and then an academy band. Okay. Uh, but his son, Jeremy, was played bass in a, one of the bands at the Air Force Academy. And uh, he, I called him, and he said, yeah, we're looking for a piano player for the, the Falconeers, the jazz ensemble. And uh, you should come out and audition. And... Uh, I, audition, I went out. Colorado? Colorado Springs, it was about an hour south of Denver, and uh, auditioned. Uh, very, very intense audition. Really? <laughs> yeah, it lasted about an hour. They just kept throwing, throwing stuff at me to do. Wow. Tunes or? Well, they'd have me play with all these different ensembles. I mean, they had me sight read. Uh, with the Falc, the Falconeers, the jazz ensemble. Okay. And wonderful, wonderful. Um, s- same level as Airmen and Note. Um, great, great players. And I read like three, three or four tunes with them, and then they had me accompany a vocalist, a duo, and then, then they brought in the rock band and had me play some rock band tunes, and then, and then they just started calling tunes. For me, to play a solo. Like, solo, yeah. Oh, wow. Honeysuckle Rose, Ain't Misbehaving, September Song. Wow. And luckily, I knew all of them. <laughs> Amazing, really. Yeah, and then. Uh, well, that would you say the cruise ship stuff 
maybe help that. I don't know. Yeah. What would help? Well, actually, that you've done so much stuff. Just ex- just gigs and experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, they ended up hiring me. I, I won the audition, and I went through basic training. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How old are you at this point? So I was 30 at this time. Okay, all right. I was 30 years old. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and I was, I was kind of overweight when I auditioned. So they said, well, you're going to have to lose about 20 pounds, and you're going to have to get in shape and to pass the physical fitness test. And I did. I lost, like, 25 pounds and made made the weight and was running, not marathons, but 5Ks and 10Ks and got in good shape and wow. went through basic training uh, and then moved to Colorado. Okay. And... Uh, Spent four years in the Air Force Academy band. and Wow. Again, lots of traveling? Well, yeah. So, so our mission was to um, travel. Uh, we had a national touring um, mission. We traveled and did concerts um, all over the country, promoting the Air Force Academy and wow. uh, playing nice Carnegie Hall, nice oh, concert wow. halls, really oh, wow. nice concert halls. And... Uh, being a professional musician in the military but once you got through basic training you were after that you were basically a professional musician that had to wear a uniform how many weeks is basic training uh seven okay seven weeks. seven <laughs> seven long seven weeks, weeks. <laughs> yeah where do they send you san antonio oh my gosh it's yeah. hot but when i went through it was january so it was cold okay <laughs> some days were hot but yeah, it was, it was probably a good time for me to go. Right, but, definitely. Uh, but the the band I was in, um, because they call it a premier band, and, and and once you graduate basic training, you get an advanced promotion to a technical sergeant, which is a what they call E six, which normally takes like ten years for a average person to get that rank. Somehow, my training instructor in basic training found out. <laughs> <laughs> that I was going to outrank him when I graduate basic training. And he really made a point to make me miserable in that seven oh. weeks. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> but but I got through it. <laughs> uh, but but that's a perk of being a musician in, in a military band. Yeah, yeah you get full military benefits. Uh, I, I got the GI Bill. Um you get housing allowance, food allowance. Um, uh, they'll pay for lessons if you want to study with somebody. Oh wow! And uh, you're pretty much rehearse either rehearsing or pre- individual practicing. Every day you have a rehearsal. Day. Well, not, not every day we had a rehearsal, but but uh, I'd say four out of the five. Days. I was playing all the time. Okay. That's really where I, really where I developed my skills and ensemble. Uh, they were really tight ensemble skills and. Yeah. Uh, it was a wonderful. And I was an arranger in the Air Force. I arranged for all the all the groups. And wow. Great experience. We would do a couple recordings every year. Um. Uh, so it was really fun. I know. Um, what, what all, like just, you would arrange jazz tunes? Jazz, yeah, for, for the uh, j- jazz band, uh, for you would the know concert band. 
okay. concert bands. Uh, certain uh, special events that they would want certain things for? Yeah, or? yeah like if we were in Chicago, they'd have me write a, um, Chicago's my town. Or, okay. Uh, you know, okay. they'd have me write stuff and uh, have me arrange songs for singers um, with a big band backing them. Right. Um, and the concert band was the same way, um, mainly doing pop, pop vocal tunes that I arranged. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so this went on for four years? Four years, yep. We wow. played jazz festivals and we played with the New York Voices, uh, I think, five times during my four years. Oh, they're great. Yeah. I, we, we backed them. I have at least one of their CDs. I can't think which yeah. one. They're awesome. Do they have one sing, sing, sing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one I have. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So you just meeting people and and just playing at a very high level. Playing at high all level the time. all the time. Wow. All the time. A lot of rehearsing. Yeah. A lot of rehearsing and uh, that was probably the highest level of ensemble I've been in at to that point. Oh, I bet. Um, when you want, do you get time off? Like yeah, a, you get you get up thirty days off. You get. Um, does someone sub for you when you do that? Well, they all take. We all take. We have to take our leave at the same uh, time. At the same time, so okay. it's right after around Christmas time, and then the first two weeks of uh, July. Okay, right after the fourth. I'm gonna guess. Oh, actually, it was before the fourth. It was June. Okay. After uh, we always had to play for the academy, the Air Force Academy graduation. Okay. So right after the graduation um, we go on two weeks leave okay so you you're just it's a very regimented life it's very regimented yeah yes yeah very regimented and and they pretty much own you so you know there were times that I you were allowed to do civilian gigs but if you got an Air Force gig the Air Force gig took precedence okay so there were times that I had some high pain uh, private function gigs that I had to give up to play at the general's house or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. So did that, um, they get on your nerves? <laughs> <clears throat> well, it did, yeah. It, it did. A little bit. A little Just bit. that they sort of, you said own. So. Yeah, they own you and, yeah. you know. Of course, they, I mean, your your parks are huge. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure. That's their. There's a give and take there. There's a give and take, yeah. But, but there were times that. I got frustrated because I had to find subs <clears throat> last minute, sometimes the day of a gig. Right. And uh, th- that was frustrating. <laughs> but you're doing that for four years and then? Four years, yep. And then, so right, right after that, that's when you came to Nashville? No, right after that, when I got out, or I, I, so what happened is that when I got hired, they had a commander who hired me, and he, he really liked me, I really liked him. He loved the jazz and jazz band and was a big fan. He retired. A new guy came in, uh, and he was trying to get a promotion to full colonel. He was a lieutenant colonel, and he wanted to retire as a full colonel. So he was he was pushing everybody really really hard to. Um, and it was all about concert band and. Okay. And he, he was he was kind That's of a not as much your he's, thing. He's more of an authoritative commander, conduct band conductor. If you're playing concert band stuff, you're not you're not playing very much then. There's not well, I mean, I to play well the first two years I wasn't 
playing, I mean, just on the pop stuff mainly. But when he came, he decided to, he didn't like the fact that I wasn't playing on every tune where everybody else was. So, and he did a lot of, he would commission these pieces from composers, classical composers, to compose something that would incorporate the keyboards. Okay. And I think he told him to make it really hard. <laughs> really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> so, so those last two years, um, he was, everybody was miserable and mad and upset. And then I started thinking, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I want to make a career out of this and have somebody have the power to make my life good or not good. Uh-huh. So, so I got out. Okay. I separated and um, started my music school. Um, it was called the Broadmoor Academy of Music. And uh, I actually started that six months before I got out um, of the Air Force. Okay. And this is uh, where you're teaching? This is where I'm teaching, yeah. First time you've ever taught? No. I, I was teaching, I started teaching when I was 18, um, mainly beginner students. And um, when I moved to Florida, I taught at a music academy. Um, okay. That was my first real job after the cruise ships. And uh, when I got to Colorado, I, I started teaching part-time at a conservatory. And um, they had a jazz program, and I really, really started to love teaching. And uh, thought, well, maybe I'll start my own jazz school. Um, yeah. And, um, and this is in Colorado. This is in Colorado, yes. Yeah, this okay. And I was in the Air Force, and I was thinking of things to do to make a living yeah. <laughs> when I got out of the Air Force. Yeah. And yeah. I said, well, I'll, I'll teach. I'll, I'll become a, te- a piano teacher. And uh, I met a, a gentleman from Houston, Texas, uh, who loved jazz and was a, also a jazz piano player. And he helped me get this school started. Okay. And uh, it, it grew and grew and grew and I think the most we had was 300 students um, oh we had 20 te- we had we had I hired a lot of teachers we had like 20 oh. teachers oh wow okay what what kind of building did you in okay, well a, we started we started <laughs> there's a lot to doing something like this you're talking yeah. 20 teachers yeah. so that's you gotta have a quite a big facility for At this. That, yeah and then we started a second location as well what okay so you had to buy pianos and stuff for this too uh, well, <laughs> this is a huge thing yeah. that you're doing while you're in the Air Force. Thing. Well, the, I mean, we didn't have 300 students when I was still in the Air Force. Okay. okay. Um, when I started, uh, we only had about 20. Okay. So, right. and, and I was the main teacher. Okay. And we had a couple other teachers. But um, it, the, there was a, a school that rented us some space in a building that wasn't being used. Okay. And uh, I think we had four, four or five rooms. Okay. And uh, I'm calming down. <laughs> <laughs> I started. I, I started there, out, and and it it grew slowly. I mean, I have 25 students right now. Mm-hmm. So to, to have 300 students, you're gonna have to have. I mean, I, I'm gonna guess if let's say if everyone had an average of 30 students, then you've got 10 teachers. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's big. We had, um, and they all want to teach at the same times, I'm, gu- I'm going to guess. Well, yeah, that became the problem, <laughs> is we didn't have the prime time slots. We didn't have enough rooms. 
Yeah. So um, we moved to a new location and we built a, a commercial facility uh, in an office complex. It wasn't like a shopping center or anything. But, uh, but we had, I think, eight rooms there. Wow. And uh, it just started, I became a student of marketing and learning how to market and uh, direct marketing. And the students started coming, mm-hmm. coming. And then I started hiring more and more teachers. And it just, I, then I started doing direct mail um, marketing and it was just growing like crazy. Wow. And, uh, and then we were, when we were about 300, I thought, well, maybe it's time. I know, somebody said, Brad, you should open a location in nor- the north part of Colorado Springs. Uh, the original location was in, in the south. Okay. part of Colorado Springs okay. and, and uh, they said you should open one in the north because there's a lot of people up there and, and uh, I said well it's really expensive to rent up there uh, off their area and I think it, and I started thinking well how am I going to do this and uh, uh, I thought well maybe I can take on an investor an investor to help finance it and uh, there was somebody at my church that um, asked me one day, he said, Brad, what do you think of having a, uh, a rehearsal studio place? And I said, I don't think that will work here in Colorado Springs. And then I started thinking, I said, well, maybe he'd be interested in, <laughs> in helping me open a, yeah. another music school. And, right. Uh, and he did. And uh, we opened, uh, he spent like $200,000 on reconstruction of a, uh, it was a shopping center area. There's a dance school just down, and, and uh, we opened that. And uh, and I had t- I had twice the <laughs> twice the the problems and twice the <laughs> twice the bills. Yeah, it became too much. Oh, too much dear. for me. And I, I was I was teaching <laughs> seven days a week and running and marketing, and doing all the business stuff, and yeah. I was doing everything and. and uh, Wow, uh, and it was too stressful, and that's a that is a lot of hats. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, but like, um, do, are you still teaching? You teach? Well, I teach. Uh, um, I'm teaching Skype, okay. jazz piano through Skype, and, okay. and I have um, students all over the world. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I okay. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, we're going to have to do volume two. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, but, like, I'll be in the shower or I'm in my car. I mean, my students are with me constantly on, uh-huh. on the back burner uh-huh. when there's a problem. Uh-huh. And something will come to me of what I, oh, they need this piece. Yeah. Or, oh, I've got to try this approach. Yeah. This is my work because yeah. you know, and, and so that's occupying a space yeah. that's constant. Yeah, and to add you know marketing and marketing and, and twenty teachers and mm-hmm. not happy that they're not getting paid and, <laughs> and getting yeah. mad and then <laughs> I would be in the same boat. I, uh, I yeah, fear. well, I eventually had a heart attack. I um, was I had a heart attack when I was no what forty four. What? Yeah, forty three. I was forty three. I had a heart attack. And um, this is when we had the two locations, and then right, right then, the, uh, my business partner, who was a silent partner, decided he wanted, he wanted out. Oh my gosh! Right after I had the heart attack, and um, uh, 
Wow. So the pro- that was the first year of the second location. And then the summer came and everybody, all the students up there, decided to take the summer off. And the rent was like $3,000 a month. Oh, wow. And it started to drain everything. And then, and then I got behind on the bills and it just snowballed. And eventually I had to close it. Um, and then, and then I thought, well, I'll just keep the the other the original location open and yeah. keep that going, and that snowballed as well. I wasn't able, to, so I finally just had enough <laughs> and closed it. And you know, I just want to be a professional musician now. <laughs> I'm with you. I yep. can, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm just I'm sitting here. I know people cannot see me, but I'm sitting here nodding my head grimly. Like, yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it can be. There's a point at which, yeah. I, like, too many students is too many students. Yeah. I've been there. It, and, it was uh, too many students. It was a big headache, and it didn't yeah. go away. And you know, having teachers quit and then take their students with them, the te- the students would oh. follow, and then the, oh, our yeah. income would go down, and then yeah. it just kind of snowballed and right but everything happens for a reason right and, and uh, I wouldn't have made it out here if it wasn't for that so that that comes to an end and you moved to Nashville I moved to Nashville I, I taught public school for a year okay yeah you and, mentioned uh, that I, I, I <laughs> you mentioned that to me before yeah. I think before I hit record yeah I, I didn't enjoy that and That's uh, really it just hard seemed and, uh, it just seemed like it was time to for a new start Okay. And that's why I moved to, to Nashville. When I lived in Orlando... Um, and your parents had lived... They also moved to Tennessee? They moved to Tennessee from Ohio, okay. yeah. And, okay. And when I lived in Orlando, there was a time that I was going to move to Nashville. And like three days before I moved, um, I got a, a full-time job at a church. So I stayed. Okay. And this is before Ron Cannoli. And... Uh, so it had kind of always been in your mind. To it's be always here? been in my mind, and okay. and I was like, well, where am I, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And a friend said, move to Nashville, and uh, he, he was a friend from the first band, the Spurlows. He was my roommate, and he went to Belmont and um, toured with Daisy and Leanne Rhymes, and um, he said, move to Nashville. Yeah. And my mom was saying the same, move to Nashville. I was getting all these signs to move to Nashville. So I, the time came after that first school year, and I knew I didn't want to be a band director or music teacher in a public school. I knew that it was time to move. Okay. So you've been here a year and a half, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And um, you've done, and you're playing a regular gig right now mm-hmm. with Carl Stewart. Mm-hmm. Carl Stewart Band. And, uh, what I'm doing other gigs. I'm playing at Rudy's uh, here and there, and playing at uh, oh, what's that steakhouse in Green Hills. Um, um, Char. Char, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I play at Char subbing for some of the other guys, and uh, I, I, you know. I'm just taking a moment here, and I'm just like kind of letting the air just kind of sit, <laughs> which I know I'm not supposed to do on, you know, because uh, everyone, we're just such a, we're so impatient now Yeah. of, of, of people, it seems like, but yeah. but it's like, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put together all the stuff you've done, and I'm thinking, wow, is Nashville a letdown, or are you happy to be, what's, what's not, a, I'm really happy you, here. You played some really high profile played, gigs, yeah. some very, it seems to me like some would be 
very stressful. Like uh, maybe the Air Force Band kind of thing. The Air Force Band was could have been pretty stressful. Yeah, because that's more. I mean, it's basically like classical music. Don't miss a note. Right. And yeah, it's all notated. Be on time and yeah. I mean, I can just imagine all kinds of things. Yeah, you have to have your uniform just right, and you have to have your shoes shine, your hair cut, and. Uh, remembering to make sure you have all your ribbons for your uniform and yes a lot of a lot of stress in the Air Force band I can imagine and then you follow that with 300 sets of parents yeah. <laughs> that you're responsible yeah. to right. by opening these music stores I mean or I'm sorry um, schools music yeah. schools I mean and parents I love you I do yeah. we are a good team you me and your children yeah. but it can be um, that was stressful dealing yeah, with parents I'm accountable to uh, to 25 sets of parents yeah and I mean and, and their children there you go. Three. I mean, this is high stress stuff. So you, you're, you welcome to <laughs> <laughs> Nashville. Where I mean, I know there's stress here and all, and I'm sure. I mean, the, the traffic's gotten worse, and I'm sure you want to play your gigs really well, and you, you, you know. But it, it's not. It's not be the same thing. No, it's not the same. It's not as stressful. What's it like? <laughs> What's your impression so it's, far? It's. I. I just love it. I mean, there's so many great, great musicians. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to play. Play with these national musicians. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's like music heaven to me. Wow. Yeah. I'm so I'm very gratified to hear you say yeah. that. You know, because it feels that way to me too. And yeah, I've um, met so many wonderful people. Like people I'm instant friends with. Yeah, people are so nice here and, and encouraging. Yes. Musicians are very encouraging. And yes. They're willing to help you. And if you ask them a question, they answer. You know. Right. I've had, you know, people just send me charts if I'm worried about a certain song. Uh-huh. Like, they'll give me their take on it. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I thought this was a blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Or, you know, or you, tell me what you think. Or, you know, Mike Kluster, who was a guest on the show, came over and spent an hour. Well, I mean, it was more than an hour. I want to say an hour and a half going through my stage three. I have an order stage three that I did not ever have the time to look mm-hmm. through. And, and, you know, it's, there's a lot to, to, to know about Yeah. It. And he just went through the whole keyboard with me and t- showed me things he does on his gig and... Um, yeah, it's exactly what you yeah. have just said. I've experienced too. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I love it. And and and, and uh, there's so every type of genre of music's here, and it's all top notch. I would think that some of the cats would be really pleased to play with you, like at Rudy's and stuff. You, because mm-hmm. you're a very seasoned jazz musician. It sounds like. To mm-hmm. me. I mean, what what kind of gig are you playing there? Just a solo gig or um, no? It's gr- group, different groups. Okay. Uh, usually quartets, quartets, uh, quintets. Okay, so just it just runs the gamut basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you meet? Where have you met the most people when you since you moved to town? Like what kind of? I think at j- jam sessions at Rudy's. Everybody uh, says that. The jam sessions. Uh, I haven't, and there's so much that I haven't done yet, like uh, the blues. I haven't been to any of the blues jams. Yeah. Um, uh, there's just so much. Every week I discover something new, uh, a new club, or I meet a new person. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so so exciting, I'm, really exciting. I'm so glad to hear that. And yeah. I know you're playing um, the Soul Vibes show uh-huh. this Thursday. Right. Um, by the time this podcast airs, that will be over. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> But um, that is a early Motown show uh-huh. with a lot of the 
great R and B, funk, and soul mm-hmm. musicians that are in town. Yeah. Uh, every every month there is a show, uh-huh. and this one's at Hutton Hotel Analog at the Hutton Hotel, uh-huh. and um, two really great ladies run that. Uh-huh. Um, Janelle Means and Summer Ronelli. Yeah. Um, but that's just one thing that's coming up. I know you're playing a couple of tunes on that. Uh-huh. Which ones are you playing? Uh, for once in my life, and um, I forget the other one. The Eilie Brothers tune. Um. Oh, I can't. I can almost think of it, but can't. <laughs> but it's a Motown show. Yeah. And then, okay, so what else is coming up where people could come, could come check you out? And- uh, well, that's it. BB King takes a, a lot of time right now. So, five, so five days a week. Five days yeah. a week. Um, uh, people can check out my website, bradbeatry.com, and I have music and videos on there. I have a lot. I've re- released three uh, CDs, albums. Solo? Um, no, with a, a group quartet. And okay. uh, is that your favorite lineup, or do you have one? Um, well, th- this is my Colorado band. I, I'm putting my Nashville band together now, but uh, but I recorded three CDs in uh, Colorado, and uh, wow. one was my first one was called Skylark, which uh, was uh, just arrangements I did and some original tunes of uh, of mine, and then. The second one was called uh, The Quest, and that was the same thing, uh, arrangements and some uh, original tunes. And then my third one was all original jazz compositions. And uh, that's the one I'm most, most proud of. It was wow. called uh, Speak Like a Bostonian. Cool. And, uh, Is that available on Apple Music? Yeah, or? it's available on Apple Music. It's on uh, YouTube. It's on Spotify. And uh, that, that was, um, I was studying with a guy in Boston, his name was Charlie Pinakis, who was a well-known jazz improvisation um, teacher who taught a lot, a lot of famous jazz musicians. Uh, he did correspondent lessons through uh, tape, cassette tape, and then he, he later uh, transitioned to the internet and MP3. Was that, did you have a lesson with him through tape? Yeah. Was that helpful? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. He'd send me the lesson. His portion only lasts about a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? And so he'd just tell you what he thought? Uh, well, yeah. He said, yeah, br- hey, Brad, you're really smoking, man. I'm really cooking. <laughs> and uh, he had a real, real strong Boston, Boston accent. And, um, but he taught me a lot of, a lot of, a lot of techniques. That advanced techniques that I never even considered that really helped really helped me get to that next level of playing that probably would have taken years if I would have just kept transcribing and wow yeah so so, so, so that was the speak like a Bostonian that was a tribute to him he, wow yeah in your opinion okay so I have to ask because I mean that's quite a thing you just said so what makes a teacher really good like that how can they get that kind of thing through to you so well, well they well uh, he was a uh, he was a I mean he was on the same level as Herbie Hancock and I mean, he could play at that level he could play at that level but yeah. he also must be such an educator uh, well he his degree he had a teaching degree uh, a music uh, I'm not sure if it was a piano pedagogy or but it was a, some sort of music education degree okay and um, so that was his background but, but he was just he really he was very organized he had a step by step by step he had 
step lessons. Okay. And um, of all different topics that he would teach. Um, okay. Like chord superimposing on top of another chord, and uh, you know, triad pairing, uh, pairing triads, uh, pentatonics. I spent three years, three and a half years studying pentatonic scales. <laughs> wow. A lot of pentatonic scales. Seriously. Yeah. Did <laughs> did it take that long? Because I mean, please don't take me wrong. I'm not judging the time limit. Uh-huh. But I'm, what I'm a- asking about is the content. Like, so is it because it's harder in different keys, or were, they, were you just studying lots of patterns? We were just, well, it wasn't. We were studying a lot of. You know, pentatonic scale is just a five notes. So, so there's. So I think. That. Yeah, that's that's one pentatonic. Okay. And there's thirty eight different variations really <laughs> that, that you'd learn and, and these pentatonics would work over certain chords and then you have to work them over the certain chords and then I'm going to tell you you're making me think I got to go to the woodshed <laughs> immediately after well, I, practiced, I turned when, this off when I got out of the Air Force and uh, I spent probably a year where I was practicing six to eight hours wow before I started teaching wow and I was practicing these things and I really I really made a giant step and that um, no that was probably intended. three or four years <laughs> no <pun laughs> yeah like John Coltrane yeah and we oh. spent about three years two and a half years on giant step patterns um, four note cells and, uh, wow I spent like two two and a half years studying that are you gonna are you gonna be a teacher here in town well, I don't uh, <laughs> You're doing I don't Skype. Know. I'm doing Skype. I, I like that. Okay. I got burnt I got really burnt out. I guess. I had so many students and Yeah, yeah. Teaching 7 days a week and Yeah. But but I would like to teach here um and uh because I want to do other stuff. I want to do other performings. I have other things I want to do. Okay, such as if you want to, well, if you I, want to say. I want to, you know, start touring as a my own jazz as a myself. That'd be great. As a jazz artist and wow. traveling and wow, um, recording. Yeah, uh, still writing. Writing, composing. Would you arrange for other people still, or is that? Um, yeah, I arranged um, for a vocalist, uh, Donna Scott, um, who had a uh, single out. Um, called Superstar, which is, uh, was originally recorded by the Carpenters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a jazz version of that and uh, that I arranged for. And it's uh, really nice. It's, it's available on uh, DonnaScott.com and Apple, uh, iTunes, and Spotify. Um, you can check that out. Okay. Is that the one that's like um, long ago and not so far away? Yeah, that's it. Um, I fell in love with you. Yep. Da, 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 da. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I used to love the Carpenters. Yeah, I do so, too. Y'all are amazing. Yeah. Just, those, record, those records are just amazing, yeah. really. Yeah, but, but I, I, I re, re, did some reharms and okay. uh, the instrumentation was uh, flute, flugelhorn, uh, tr- trombone, and yeah, flute. Flute, flugelhorn, trombone, and rhythm section. Oh my goodness! Yeah, really I have nice. to hear this. Um, when you're so, when you listen to like, if you're at a movie or t- TV or anything, you're always listening to the music of it. Yeah, probably. Who are your favorite arrangers? Um, Claire Fisher, uh, Sammy Nestico, 
Um, so jazz band. Yeah, jazz arrangers. band uh, arrangers. Um, uh, uh, piano player uh, who I really like is he's an arranger for uh, Diana Krall. Um, oh, what's his name? From he's from uh, New Zealand. Uh, I should know. I don't know. <laughs> can't think of his name, but okay. but I really like him. Um, I like all arrangers. I, I study. Uh, I like to study arrangements and mm-hmm. um, different. Uh, a lot of the the, the Hollywood sco- film scores. I, I like yes. Howard Shore. Howie Shore. I like uh, uh, the guy that does The Simpsons. Uh, Danny Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman. Yeah, and there's another guy. Uh, I can't think of his name. Um, but, but I just, I just love, love music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, I, uh, it's that's very apparent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love I, music. <laughs> I just, you know, I feel like I could study all the things that you've said for a little while and then have a lot more, you know in-depth questioning for you because honestly I mean some of the stuff you could you could go really really deep it just um, yeah it sounds to me like you, you can go just, you can spend your whole life <laughs> you you have really immersed yourself yeah and I, I greatly respect that it's, it, it's so it never ends. it never ends I mean it's isn't that the truth it never ends and it's yeah. just so there's so much music that I've never even heard yes I'm always telling my students that I really think can hear me say it. Yeah. That it's it is a great way to spend your life, because of that reason. It's you're not going to exhaust it. It's, right. It's always something. Uh, there's always more that you can. <laughs> <laughs> there is. And I think that drives some people really absolutely crazy. Like, yeah. or you know, really, it's it's a. You can just you can take it so hard. Yeah. If you're not getting you know it's yeah. there's such a it's a balancing. It is yeah. That's why I love teaching. I mean, the main thing I love about teaching is when a student, uh, when they get hooked, when that point where they get hooked, yes. and and then they just start skyrocketing and they just take off. That's I know. That that's what really makes me so excited. Yes, me too. I've got a couple right now like yeah. that. Um, but I bet that's exactly what you did. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I, I I have about five students that are professional musicians now. Wow. And um, all over the country. How wonderful. Yeah. To sort of leaving your own legacy of yeah. teaching, yeah. passing it along. Yeah. Um, so. I'm gonna hold on just a second. Let me shut this. Hey. Yeah. Almost done. Okay. I'm gonna start till three. Gonna be done in five minutes, probably. <laughs> okay, I'll get Brett to edit this out. So. Yeah, that's fine. No problem. Um, so, is there anything else that we haven't covered? <laughs> that I mean, saying that I'm just laughing because there's, I mean, uh, the life of a musician like yours is every day. There's so much that I'm thinking that you're thinking about. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's hilarious to even to me to even ask that question. But I guess, you know, so you've said what you want your next chapter to be, but um, is there anything else you want to, oh, we were just talking about students. Yeah. So, and one catching on fire. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I, I love it when a student catches on fire and when they start doing stuff on their own, you know, show me that oh they composed a song or or they 
to this track on Logic or when that happens that really makes me so happy yes yes because they really they really start to develop that passion and they see how cool it is and and uh, or, or they'll transcribe a song or transcribe a solo by ear mm-hmm. and um, yes that I'm thrilled when they do that yes and I always, I always tell my students learn as much music as you can by use your learn to use your ears learn to learn tunes by ear learn to transcribe solos and I don't think that's taught enough uh, as piano teachers I don't think it's stressed enough to to use your ear to figure out happy birthday or their favorite TV theme song yes yes so and then uh, I agree with you on that I think a lot of teachers feel pressure um, you know, to get that recital piece that's just going to mm-hmm. be stellar so that everyone can be impressed and proud and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, I, I just fight against that as much as I possibly can. I and, do too. Yeah. I like them just to play what they're working on right now. Yeah. Because uh, it's, um, that we can't cover enough music if we are spending an entire four month period yeah. on two pieces it's it's, it's a joke yeah I, it is I, I can't stand it it's uh it's hard it is it. hard I, I would never be able to last that just doing two pieces that for a year or <laughs> the older that they get i see the relevance of it more because the pieces are getting harder mm-hmm. but um i fight that mm-hmm. i really do i don't like that because um, I just can't. There's, there's just so much more they need to be learning, mm-hmm. right? Than just perfecting something. And yeah, exactly. There's no such thing as perfection. Right. That's right. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I just encourage all the students to listen as much music, and be, um, if it's a mu- music style that you're not familiar with, and if you don't like it, keep listening to it because it may grow on you. That's how jazz. I mean, at first I didn't like jazz, and then. It grows on you, and then before you know it, you're hooked on jazz. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you that I have sort of put off doing any more with jazz for the moment, knowing that I have to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if I play too much of it, I, I won't want to play some of the stuff that I have to do. That's, that's true. It feels that way to me. I could yeah. be just you know, trying to make myself feel better for, <laughs> Yeah. you know, not... <laughs> not digging in and practicing the 38 pentatonic patterns, but no. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It feels that way to me. That yeah. it's such uh, heart music, so, yeah. so pure of spirit. Yeah, it's it's total... Uh, you know, when, when I was growing up, I was very, very, very shy. I, I didn't talk hardly at all. In school, I, didn't, I had very few friends, and music was a way for me to communicate. And uh, and it, and through the medium of jazz, where you're composing, improvising in the moment, that really became something special for me. Yes, a, a way to communicate. Yeah, for sure. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. expressing yourself. Expressing yourself that you, that you can't verbally express. Yes, yes. But you're health-wise, you feel good now. I feel good. Yeah, I, I do yoga every day and. That's good. Um, do a vegetarian diet. And oh, wow. We'll have to talk recipes fa- Fairly vegetarian. <laughs> Mostly re- vegetarian. <laughs> we'll definitely have to trade some ideas. I'm, you know, I'm trying to do more of that. Yeah. yeah. I feel so much better mm-hmm. doing that. 
Um, yes. What do you have a favorite vegan restaurant in town? Well, yeah, the Wild Cow is my favorite. Yeah, it's very um, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometime we'll have to go there, and I'll have to ask yeah. you about these patterns. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. I feel like I have more to ask you, but I guess we'll bring it to a close. That's yeah. Thank pretty you much, so much. Oh, thank you so much. Wow, I'm just um, I'm just taken aback by everything that you've done. And do you do you list all of your live stuff? It, um, on my website, I do, yeah. Okay, okay. We're going to be sure and include the yeah. link for that. Yeah, bradbeatry.com. Okay. And I'll also cl- include the link to that on the podcast page. Um, also, do you have a Facebook page or Instagram or anything like that? I, I, I do have a Facebook page. Okay. and I'll include those too. Uh, I don't have a Facebook artist page yet. Um, okay. I'll, I'll see if I can do that quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like for people to know that, that you know, to... When you have a new recording coming out, yeah. things like that, that they can start following you yeah. and keep up with all that. And come check you out at Rudy's or wherever yeah. else you may uh-huh. land. And definitely right now at BB King's. At BB King's, yep. Yeah. Okay, and I'll include the, the schedule for that as well. Cool. All right, Brad. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. And take care. All right. Talk to you soon. All right.